Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast coming to you from the beautiful Kirkwood neighborhood, Midtown adjacent. Uh, Metron people, would you tell the podcast people we're glad to have them listening? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. And uh, we thank BJ for uh, standing in for Charles today, who is, uh, he has many irons in the fire, and he's uh, dealing with one of them today. And our amazingly versatile and adept tech team can handle whatever. You know, one of these days, maybe I won't even show up. Michelle, just be prepared. You might even have to teach. You know, this is gonna, you're going to have to go up and down a lot because when it's your next point, you'll have to go up there and hit the thing and come back down for your point. But you never know. The Bible says be instant in season. Um, so anyway, uh, we speak in this atmosphere and we say, let there be light. I'm not doing a series this month. Uh, because we're, we're going a lot, and uh, I'll probably do another one next month. But I, I do have a word for you today, and uh, the, the title is The Flow of Life, Attracting and Manifesting. I've talked about both of these ideas before, but let me, let me tell you why I want to revisit this. When we talk about how things happen and why things happen um, to us, I, I don't think... We're creating everything in our reality, but we're creating a lot of it. Our reality is coexisting with the reality of everybody else who's in our life and who's in the world. So it it takes on a lot of different action, reaction sort of thing. But um, when we talk about law of attraction, we're talking about the things that are outside of us that we bring to ourselves. And I can support that with scriptures. Faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Um, he does exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. First time I heard about law of attraction, I thought, oh, well, that's that's deep calling into deep. I mean, that's I understand that concept. So there's a lot of things that are in the atmosphere around us that we because we're magnetized, we bring them into our consciousness. There's other things, however, that come out of it. Uh, I'll show you a scripture here about Jesus talking about what the fruit that comes out of a fruit tree. Am I having, am I having some uh, battery issues? Do you have any more up there? I don't know if is it me or am I... Wellington is going to the rescue like a superhero. He's... <laughs> anyway, um, so which is it? Are we attracting things or are we manifesting things? And the answer is yes. It's, it's a flow. Much of what you end up manifesting is the product of what you have attracted. And what you attract is, it's like cause and effect. A lot of times the things that you attract are the uh, result of what you're manifesting. Are we just switching out mics? Hello, hello, hello. Ah, there we are. Much better. Come in, come in, come in. We have refugees from the Dominican Republic who have just... Welcome to our country. 
all right. So, so which is it? The, the flow, it's kind of like inhaling and exhaling. Uh, it's, it's both. It's oxygen and carbon dioxide. Uh, so, um, again, are we making everything happen in our life? I'm, there's no way I'm going to say that those people in Israel attracted that to themselves. Uh, what I'm talking about is just the day in, day out reality that you're creating on a continuum. Um, are you making it happen? Or is the tail wagging the dog or are you responding to it? And the, the flow is, it's like there's something coming into your field all the time and there's something going out all the time. Jesus, um, he didn't really use the term spiritual law, but he talked a lot about, you know, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy or um, forgive and you'll be forgiven or give and you'll the same measure you give will be measured back to you. So he talked about all of these sort of um, systems that are at work all the time. And sometimes you don't even realize that they're working for or against you. Judge not lest you be judged. In other words, there's some things that you've, it's like, um, it's kind of like, uh, if you've ever done this before where you're really watching your money and you're you're being very careful about you know, what your balance is, and then you forget there's some other payment that's on an auto draft, and you think you've done so good, like I really watched it, and you wake up the next morning, you're like, what? How could I possibly be overdrawn? And it's something that was already, it was already in the system. And um, that's that's kind of the way spiritual laws work. They're things that you've already set into motion that are They've taken on life of their own. And um, that's why we have to continually, uh, like recently there was some fraud on my debit card, so I had to get a, I had to get a new one. And it actually, after, once in a while, it actually turns out to be a blessing to have to get a new one because I end up downloading all these apps that I only use one time and I don't like them, but I forget. And it's, you know, it's just $5 or $10. But if you've got a few of them, they add up and you don't even notice and so for the last few weeks, I've gotten, you know, we, we tried to draft your account. And I thought, good, I'm glad you couldn't because I totally forgot. I never even used that thing. It was like I saw, I saw some AI thing. And I thought that was funny and I, and then never used it. And then it goes on drafting. If you don't take care of it, it'll draft indefinitely till you don't have any money long after you're dead. It'll still. <laughs> They'll still be taking money out. So that's kind of the way spiritual laws work. There are things that you've put into motion that really only you can go into your um, settings, if you will, and delete certain things to decide, you know, I'm in a, a zone of attracting and manifesting some things that I don't like, and only I can change them. Okay, so the first scripture, I'm, I'm actually using a lot of scripture today, and the first one, this is Luke 6.45, and this is uh, in The Voice, okay, The Voice translation. And Jesus says, a person full of goodness in his heart produces good things. A person with an evil reservoir in his heart pours out evil things. The heart overflows in the words a person speaks. Your words reveal what's within your heart. That's why, have you ever had somebody say something to you and you can't really 
put your finger on, it's not so much the actual words they said, it was the vibration that was on the words, and it just left you feeling weird or darkened or something. And you think, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about what, when they spoke to me, I don't like the way it made me feel. And I think when that happens, especially on a continuum, you really need to pay attention to that because sometimes it's not, it's not the actual words themselves that, you know, that's easy. It's like, I'm sure if you've ever dealt with racism or homophobia, sometimes somebody can say something. It's not, it's not specifically racist, but there's something about the vibe on it. You've just, you've been around the block enough to know, like, I don't know quite how to define it. But what you said made me feel it was something, something not kosher in that. And um, this is where in the King James he says, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he's really talking about vibrations, uh, which is, it's your words constantly that are attracting certain things to you. I mean, I, I could do and have done for years teachings on the power of words just out of the book of Proverbs alone. Um, by your, you know, you're snared with the words of your mouth, or death and life are in the power of the tongue, or a man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. So a lot of, on on the surface level, a lot of what's coming into your life, it's it's just it's just the words that you're speaking. Um, let me show you the, a, a part of the same passage. This is in, oh no no, this is. It's Jesus saying the same thing, but this is Matthew's version of it instead of Luke's version. This is Matthew 12. This is verse 35 through 37 in the message. He says, it's your heart, not the dictionary that gives meaning to your words. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of wrecking. Now, in the, in the King James, it says on the day of judgment. Uh, th- when he talks about the day of judgment, he's speaking of um, uh, not a specific day. He's talking about, you know when the day of judgment is? Every day of your life. Every day of your, your life is passing judgment on the things that you've said, you've put into motion. So he says, there will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. He's not talking about going to a place called hell. He's just saying, you're going to be, in the King James, he says, you'll be, by your words, you're condemned. By your words, you're justified. Um, You think about uh, Jesus talking to the Syrophoenician woman, and he says, for this saying, your daughter is made well. That's why if you've ever, if you've ever been in a, uh, not necessarily a, a war of words, but I've noticed especially when you're communicating with people over email and text, sometimes people don't understand exactly what your meaning is on something. I don't, know if, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but I've gotten into some conversations, texting conversations before that kind of didn't go well, and the person, I could tell they're misunderstanding what I'm saying because we're not making eye contact. They're not, they're not really, we're not really communicating. I'm just reading these words. And, um, sometimes, you know, somebody triggers you, and before you know it, you've popped off. You got something going on. You think, why, why are we, do- I'm not even mad at this person. Where, how did this spiral downward? 
And it's because you're, you're not really communicating. You're just throwing words back and forth at each, at each other. And sometimes you end up saying things that you don't even mean. It's just they angered you and you angered them. And so you're, you're having this conversation. This is really not even about, but either of you. It's about, or at least your relationship. It's about things that happened years ago. You ever had somebody say something to you and you think, this really reminds me of something very negative that happened. And it might have nothing to do with what's currently happening. What's that got to do with attracting and manifesting? Well, he's talking about your the, the fruit of your life really being the words that you speak. And um, let me show you, this is um, one of the, ver- this is verse 36 out of the Amplified Classic. And he says, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idle, I'm going to come back to that word idle, inoperative, non-working word that they speak. Now, when when I was growing up, the idea of idle words meant not necessarily cussing. Like, I didn't know any cussers. But I was raised in a household where I I wasn't allowed to say golly or gee or gosh, because that was considered taking the Lord's name in vain. It was a a euphemism for... uh, And then when you understand how swearing works, there's all kind of sort of benign swearing that people do. You know, when somebody says Jiminy Cricket, they're really saying Jesus Christ. I mean, there's there's so many things. Um, But really... An idle word, what, what is idleness? Idleness is when, when something's idle, it's not working. It's not producing anything. It's just there. Uh, and he says, if all of your words are idle, they're just, they're like empty calories. It's just stuff that you're verbalizing. You're not really saying anything. This is, you know, I've said this before, but this is, most of y'all know me well enough by now to know that you know how to sort of interpret this. But over the years, because I've I've spent my entire life, I've made a living holding a microphone and talking. So I'm, you know, <laughs> so somebody shows up and listens to what I say, <laughs> and um, so I'm very aware of words. But it also like if. Haven't you ever noticed, like, right after I teach and you want to talk to me, I don't have a lot to say? It's because I've been talking for an hour. I've, I've, I've already said my words. This is, this is why it's like, if you ever say, I'd like to go out with you after a service, it's, it's not the best time to go out with me. The people who eat with me regularly can tell you I'm usually just sitting there quietly or on my phone because I've already, I've already met my word quota of the day. And everybody else who's been sitting there silently has all this stuff they want to talk to me about. And I'm like, I already said my stuff. Like, I don't have any, I don't have any more words. And people who aren't discerning think you're, you're being, um, you know, indifferent to them. Like, no, I, I love you. I just don't have anything else to say right now. I said all my stuff. I gotta, I mean, I've got to refill the tank. I'm talked out. Um, this is the, the best part of my personality. <laughs> but, I, but you were so funny 30 minutes ago. I know. I was funny then. Not now. Now I'm a bump on a log. 
And for people who don't understand that, they, you know, you're stuck up. No, I'm not stuck up. It's just I already said my stuff. You talk. And also, that's why, and I've said this to you before, but like when I go, like if I go to a place, I, I, like I'll get my hair cut at a Great Clips or one of those franchise places. And I mean, they're fine. Um, once I sit down and say, and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, what do you, what do you want? Just, I don't know. Just take a little off here, whatever. Um, I don't mind exchanging a few pleasantries. You know, how's it going? Or the weather? Like, that's, that's just being nice. But if it's not a real conversation and somebody wants to keep asking me stuff, I've even noticed sometimes they've asked it so much they don't even realize they just asked it. Like some, some guy was coming here and he said, are you working today? And I said, well, actually, um, I work every day. I'm self-employed. So he said, okay. So we're, he's and he says, so are you working today? I'm like, still? <laughs> self-employed. And I also understand because when you say something regularly, it's idle words. You don't even mean, you're just saying it. When I was a waiter, when I was in college, sometimes I would go to somebody's table and I'd say, Hi, I'm Jim. I'll be your server for the evening. And they would be like, Yeah, we know. You already, you already told us that. I just wanted to let you know, my name's still Jim. Still going to be your server. <laughs> just wanted to f- refresh your... I think, Did I really say that? Okay. Um, <laughs> because you, you say it a lot. Or did you, have you ever gotten one of these things where, Hey, how you doing? Good, fine. How are you? I'm great. Good. How are you? And you keep lobbing it back and forth like, no, I, we already both, we're both good. And that's why if it's a legit conversation, I'll talk, I could talk to you for hours. If we're just saying words to each other, I just want to say, and I, I don't ever say it because it makes you sound like a jerk, but I want to say, look, I'm paying you for a service. We don't have to. I mean, I know you talk to people all day long. I'm happy just to sit here for a few minutes and let you do your thing. And we don't have to talk. If, if, if we become friends and we got something to really talk about, sure, I'll talk. But you're just saying, like, like I told you, the last car I bought or the car before, when I was in the um, finance part, when the guy's doing the thing, he's just asking me questions like, you know, um, if you ever took a um, Dale Carnegie course, you can kind of tell when somebody's just doing those things. And uh, so he's just typing. He says, so do you have any hobbies? Oh, God, it's my least favorite question. Because I know you don't really care. If I, first of all, no, I really don't. And B, you don't care you read in a book or somebody in a sales training thing said that's a good conversation opener. It's not a good one for me because the hobbies I have, you probably wouldn't be interested in. And I don't know if I could explain it to you anyway. It's hard for me to explain a lot of things about my life. Somebody says, what do you do for a living? I think, oh, how do I explain this? Because if I say pastor... You're going to have a certain mindset and we're going to end up having some conversation about Billy Graham or something. You're going to pull out your halo and try to say something spiritual. And I don't like, I think, how do I, what do I say? That's why I end up usually making a joke. Somebody says, what do you do? I say, well, I, 
you know, bring world peace and heal cancer and end world hunger. And people are like, oh, wow, that's, that's good. But, um, but the point is, you end up in a day just exchanging a lot of idle words. Now, that being said, there's a woman who works at the, they used to call it Murder Kroger. I hate they call it Murder Kroger. It's Beltline Kroger, but somebody apparently was killed there years ago, and they <laughs> they can't let it go. But I was at Murder Kroger the other day, and um, they've got like a, like a, it's not Subway sandwiches, but it's it's that kind of thing. They can make a fresh sandwich. And the lady behind just had such a, a genuine, um, very positive vibe. We weren't having a conversation. Just the way she was interacting with me, I, I could feel this really positive energy coming from her. And I said, man, I just want to tell you, whatever is going on inside of you, it's really positive. She said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I can just tell it's it's good talk. You know, I know we're, I'm just telling you I would like some hot mustard on that. I mean, we're, that, that's the words we're saying. But there's energy behind it. And she said, well, I guess it's just Jesus. I said, well, it's, it feels real. And I just want you to know it was there's something about that exchange. It felt real and genuine. And I, I, I picked up on her inner sweetness. And it was just... It was, but the, but by the same token, somebody can just be phoning it in, and you just want to say, "Look, you don't want to talk to me any more than I want to be talked to. I honor your space. <laughs> God bless you. We don't have to chat." Uh, but on a deeper level, when he says idle words, he's saying your words are supposed to be working for you all the time. You're supposed to put stuff out there that even when you're asleep at night is is working something out for you. And that's why I want to show you, I've referred to this a lot. Let me show you this just little exchange. You know, the centurion that came to Jesus. This is uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 9 through 12. You know, it's the one where he says, Jesus says, I'll come heal your servant. And he says, it's not necessary you come under my roof, but speak a word only and my servant will be healed. So Jesus says, this is in the message, he says, the centurion says to Jesus, I'm a man who takes orders and gives orders. I tell one soldier go and he goes and to another come and he comes to my slave do this and he does it. Taken aback, Jesus said, I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know all about God and how he works. This man is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace and wondering what happened. What's interesting is, is this man, he's a centurion. As I've told you before, he seemed to have had a relationship with this young man that was beyond just, you know, a professional relationship. Um, uh, he doesn't know. I mean, he's a Roman. He's a polytheist. He doesn't know anything about the scriptures or the Old Testament prophets. 
And yet he taps into something that it's, it's, it's the only time Jesus ever marveled at anybody's faith. He's marveling at people's unbelief all the time. But on this one, he says, that's the greatest faith I found in Israel, which his disciples were not really pleased about. Because they're like, seriously, we, we left everything to follow you and this guy? The, the gay idol worshiper has got the, the, the greatest faith in Israel. And he says, no, it's because he understands words are things that are supposed to be working for you. This man understood this abstract concept. He says, I've got a hundred men that work for me. And when I tell them, it's like, you know, those of you that came out of the military know the, the concept of an order. When somebody says that's an order, it's non-negotiable. It's like, oh, that was that's how the military works. If you're under orders of somebody, you do what you're ordered to do. So this man says, I've got a hundred men that work for me, and I've got thousands of words that could work for me as or he says, You've got thousands of words that can work for you. Tell one of your healing words to go heal my servant, and that healing word will you can say that's an order. I mean, even as many times as I've taught this, I'm still blown away by it. this. is just amazing. Because he says, once I commission one of my men to go do something for me, I don't micromanage them. I don't, I don't follow saying, how are you doing it? Are you, are you, you know, what's your time frame? He just says, no, I told you to do it. I trust that you're going to carry it out. So when he says, tell one of your words to heal my servant, your word, it won't negotiate. It will, the word will accomplish. And Jesus was amazed by it. He says, that's amazing. And when, when he says there are people who are outside of um, Judaism who are going to get this concept, it's not, Jesus is not being anti-Semitic. I mean, Jesus is Jewish. But, but, but what he's saying is, is there are people who think they know how God works and they really don't. I mean, have you ever met somebody that they don't, they wouldn't know a Bible verse if if their life depended on it, but they help poor people and they're real loving and forgiving and positive. And then you know Christian Bible thumpers that are hateful and mean. And you think, what's wrong with this picture? You know, my next door neighbor's drunk half the time, but man, he's something about him is really Christ-like. How does that work? And so what he's, what he's saying is, is just because somebody's been around spiritual things or scriptural things, it doesn't mean they know God. And what this man said, this man tapped into something about God that most people in Jesus' audience had no awareness of. This man said, I'm a man under authority. Your words are under your authority. Um, in Proverbs, it says, where the word of a king is, there is authority. I mean, that's, that's a very powerful concept that if you think about something that you want to happen and you speak it out and you think of your word, like, I'm not going to let this word be idle. I'm going to put this word to work. Um, I learned as a kid not to ever tell my parents that I was bored because their response was, I believe I can find you something to do. So if they ever ask, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. I'm perfectly happy 
with what I'm doing right now. Definitely not bored. Um, I think because there's such an urban legend about um, only children being spoiled that my parents, I think, went the extra mile to make sure that I wasn't. Um, so, you know, I had a list of chores that had to be done. Uh, never said I was bored, didn't have anything to do, because that list could easily be added to. There was always something that could be added to that list. Does that, does that ring a bell with anybody? So, um, but, so idleness, you know, now, I gotta tell you, I love idleness now. You feel me? <laughs> I, I, I know I've told you this before, but years ago, this is what we were in the middle of the building program. Well, I was in a building program for 30 years, actually, on some level. But, oh my God, it was so stressful. And it was so much, it was just, you know, when you build big buildings, you end up doing so much that's not at all what you signed up the ministry for. You know, you're, you're not ministering to people now. You're meeting with DOT and, you know, it, it's, it's something all the time. And we went to, we took the kids, I think we went to the Bahamas. And I remember I was floating in a pool, just like on a flotation device. And I remember floating and I thought, I haven't had a thought like in half an hour. And it's the first time, I, because when I was in my environment, it was something, I didn't stop thinking when I was asleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like so much stress. I'd be asleep, waking up thinking, oh, I got to call so-and-so about, you know, we need to get that. And I, there was just something about my, my mind is completely blank. And it was, it felt wonderful. Now, I'm not encouraging laziness. What I am saying is sometimes it's okay to do nothing. You know, some of us, you were raised to feel guilty about that. You know, now it's a, one of the benefits of aging if you do it right. Because you know what sounds so good to me? <laughs> Wayne and I were talking about earlier because we're probably, I love the gays, God bless them. May not make it to the parade today. You know what I mean? I've seen the parade. I love them. God bless them. I want you to be yourself. Wayne said the same thing. He said, I've been to plenty of them. I'm going to leave it to the young gay. I so get that. You know what I mean? This morning when I saw people walking in their costumes, I thought, y'all be you. <laughs> love you. Not sure. <laughs> I have another jacket in the elevator this morning. Kids said, why do you have another jacket? I said, I can't imagine we're going to go to the parade today, but if we do, I'm going to take this off and put this jacket on. The way he looked at me, I thought, we ain't going. <laughs> I think I knew the answer to that. Please do not tell the gay mafia, because we're, because we, we're not, we're, it, it's not, it's just that, I'm not even sure I'm going to dinner. I might order Uber Eats. Um, but they're in spirit. I support you, whatever, whoever you are, whatever gender you are, whatever gender you're not. I support it all. Namaste. Go with God. God bless you. But especially on a day like today, I, I don't know. Um, 
There was a time having to take a Sunday nap was like a um, sentence. I don't want to lay down. Now, there's nothing better. <laughs> now, what's that got to do with this? Well, idleness is okay, especially after you've worked hard and you, you know, you, you're slowing down. There's no, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. That being said, you still need to make your words work for you. As a matter of fact, if you know how to make this work right, idle words, making sure your words are not idle becomes even more important. Because now you can just put it out there. I send out all this good stuff. I'm about to nap in my recliner. But while I'm asleep, all this good stuff is going out, you know, for prosperity and blessing and healing. All these words are going to be out working for me. My words are not idle. I may be a little idle, but my words are out there working for me. Um, and, and that's the great thing about, you know, he sent his word and healed them. You know, Jesus, Jesus only did physical ministry for 36 months. I mean, I love him and all, but I've been doing that for over 50 years. I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> he says, it's necessary that I go away. <laughs> Learn something from Jesus. <laughs> when Jesus said, it is finished. Meaning, <laughs> I showed y'all how to do it. Here's the Holy Spirit. Bye-bye. And there's something kind of important about that. You know, like learn how to put something out there that's working for you. Don't snare yourself with your words. Don't say a bunch of negative crap and then fall asleep and you wake up and the whole world's falling apart. You need to, you need to make them work and, and say positive things to people and make sure that, you know, the people in your life know that they're appreciated. All those things are valid. Um, words of appreciation should never be idle. I, I posted this, you know, my friend Howie's birthday was, um, we're the same age. I'm six months old, six months older than him and, so I wrote him a thing. I said, I can't believe we're both, how are we both 65 years old? Because, I mean, it feels like I, feels like it's 1976 and we just met. But I, when I wrote this to him, I said, you know, a few months ago, um, when I got the diagnosis about my heart, and Dr. Sheila, I'm going to tell you, when she heard it, she walked, the first thing out of her mouth, she didn't say hello. She said, this is not a sickness unto death. I have heard those words have echoed in my, many times I thought, no, Dr. Sheila says not to sit in to death. I'm going to be okay. But when I called Howie to tell him, I said, I just need to, I'm not alarming you. I just want to tell you about this thing that the doctor said. And he got kind of emotional and he said, you know, I believe you're going to pull through. He said, but if you don't, God forbid, he said, I, can, I have no regrets in our relationship. I, I will never, if I never, he said, something could happen to me. I mean, you know, he's on cruise ships half the time. He said, something could happen to me. He said, I, ne I left nothing unsaid with you. You knew I have known for years how much he's, I think you're the most talented, you know, his whole thing. And, uh, he said, I would, I would miss you, but I wouldn't regret anything because I've left nothing unsaid. And I thought that's really important. That's why if you, you know, when they say give, give somebody flowers while they live, because sometimes, you know, you don't know if it's going to be the last time you see somebody. And, um, uh, you don't want to think, oh, I wish I, I never got to tell them this. Don't wait. Tell them, tell them now. 
Now, having said that, it's okay to slow down a little bit because your words are out there working for you. The centurion says, I got a hundred men that do my... He delegated. That's why it was so unusual that he came in person to ask for help because he says, I don't usually do this. I usually will send one... I've got a hundred men on my staff. I don't, I don't do stuff. I tell other people to do stuff. And if you can, look, if Jesus marveled at that principle, then it, it, there's something to it. Um, you know, there, there was a time, I remember when I was a kid, uh, if somebody in the church was sick, if it was the middle of the night, you know, I remember my dad would get up, you know, he, he'd go there and pray for them. I don't live in that world now. Y'all, I mean, the people in my world know I send the word. Because my words not going to, my physical presence isn't going to do any more than my words do it. And sometimes it's appropriate to show up physically. But for the most part, it's just like, I got you. I'm believing for the best, you know. So when he says you're going to have to give an account for every idle word, he's not talking about swearing and cussing. He's saying, if you're just filling up airspace with a bunch of empty stuff that doesn't produce anything, I, I mean, I've gotten to where, this kind of sounds, well, I don't think it'll sound silly to you, but I have, you know, there's certain meds I have to take every morning, and there's a little thing I say with each one of them that has to do with my own health. Like, I'm taking this because this is getting better, and because this is getting stronger, and because of the, now every time I go check my mailbox, I'm like, I, I'll say, I'm going to go see if there's a $10,000 check in my mailbox. One of these days, there will be. And it makes, it makes the trip down the elevator a lot more exciting. Like today could be the day. I've said it enough that at some point, it's probably going to happen. Um, so those are, that's how you get stuff done. The, you're sending the words out to work for you. All right. Let me show you this. This is um, this quote by John Asaroff. It says, most people are thinking about what they don't want, and they're wondering why it shows up over and over again. Now, I've told this before, but I want to remind you of this. If you're constantly praying about getting out of debt, if you're constantly praying about um, your money situation, your finances, Sometimes your preoccupation with it actually becomes counterproductive because the way the law of attraction people explain it is the universe doesn't make a a judgment on what you're thinking about it, just that you're thinking about it. So if you're constantly thinking money, 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 I got to I got to fix this money situation, it actually can work against you. That's why even when you pray, you have to learn to believe you receive when you pray. Like, let me pray and stop obsessing over it because the constant thinking about it is just exacerbating the situation. It's just making it, it's making it worse. Once you've said your thing, I mean, it's, it, it's totally appropriate to let somebody know what's going on with you. But once you've let them know, you don't have to keep reminding them of it. They're aware. Um, I'm, you know, certain people in my life that I talk to about certain things and sometimes they'll check up on me like, are you okay? And I'll say, you know what? 
Not really, but there's no point in talking about it because you know what the deal is. And I've already told you this and it's just something I'm dealing with and I'll get through it and it'll be fine. And, you know, I prophesy my own resurrection and blah, blah, blah. There's no point in telling you again. I know you would, I know you love me enough that you would patiently sit through hearing it again, but there's no new information. It's just that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got a situation, a family member, a something. It's like there's no point. Yeah, it's no, you know there's no visible signs of improvement. But just talking about it one more time is not even going to be cathartic for me at this point. You know, you can say enough about a situation where you're just like, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. I'm believing. I'm hoping it against hope. It's going to get better. But what else can I say that hadn't already been said? If anything, I need to change the energy on this and call those things which are not as though they are. Um, sometimes you need to, uh, you know, the scripture talks about familiar spirits. You, you nearly have to do the unfamiliar before you just fall back into the the rotation cycle of, you know, a bad thing happens, so I talk about it, and it makes a bad thing happen. So I talk about it, which makes a bad thing happen. Some people don't even realize they're on that hamster wheel. They're just doing it over and over again. So sometimes you have to cut through it and go, no, it's not all good. I, I don't think Michelle will mind this, but, you know, her brother's, uh, her only sibling, his, his uh, memorial service was last week. So I asked her, I said, Hey, I'm just checking up. Are you doing okay? And she said, do you mind me saying this, Michelle? She said, I'm in the heart of the earth. And I knew exactly what she meant. There's no point in, I mean, I said, grief is a process. It takes a while. There's no, I said, you know where I am if you need to talk. But she was basically saying, thanks for asking. There's nothing to talk about. Yes. Am I okay? No, I'm not. Can I say something that a lot of ministers won't tell you? When you lose a loved one, there's a part of you that's never going to be fully okay again. You're going to have to learn to get used to that. Is that okay to say? When people say, well, you're going to get over it. No, you're not. You're not going to get over it. You're going to miss Leona every day of your life. You have to learn how to figure out how do I live with this. Even if your life moves on. I remember there was... Um, a designing women episode years ago that made an impression on me. You remember the Charlene Stillfield character? She was in, she was in a relationship with a guy who was a, a widower. Her, uh, his his wife had died of cancer, and so uh, when they developed a relationship, he started acting really kind of weird. And and come to find out, it's because he felt guilty. He said, "I feel like I'm cheating on my wife, even though she died. I feel like I'm cheating on my wife in this relationship with you." And the uh, Julia Sugarbaker character goes to meet with him and she says, um, she says, what was your wife's name? And he says, her name was Nancy. And she says, well, I know Charlene better than anybody. She said, she's got the biggest heart of anybody I've ever met. And there is room in her heart for you and your Nancy. And I thought that's very good writing. Cause that's the way it, that's, that's the way it works. You don't just forget somebody. You don't just, you know, even if your life moves on, you, you, your previous relationships still have to be respected and honored. And, uh, Ken's son's getting married next weekend. And 
his ex-wife will be there and we've all been social events before it's like of course she's that's we're all going to be there you know we all love brandon and kenley and and it's uh kenley's family hasn't met us yet and uh so that may be an adjustment for them and we'll get we'll get through it uh but we'll all be there uh i remember some of y'all might have even been there when ken's uh dad passed we were at the funeral home uh, in um, Eatonton, and uh, I brought Lisa over to everybody that was there for Metro, and I said, "Y'all, this is this is uh, uh, Nathan and Brandon's mom." Because that's a part of him. That you don't pretend like that didn't exist. That you know that's and so. Um, but because of that, there's you know there's people that you know that they've got an ache in their heart that they're always going to have. You're not going to counsel them out of that. And it's okay, <laughs> you know. Uh, I've been around th- that part of people's life so much that I usually ask people a lot of questions that some people are uncomfortable asking. When we first met, our, our first date—I guess you can call it a date—when you <laughs> came to, when you finally found my house, because um, he told me he was his mom's caretaker the last five or six years of his of her life. I ask him all kind of stuff. I even ask him, what was it like? Were you with her when she died? And what, what was that like? And we were, we just met. We're both crying. He's telling me I'm crying, you know. And some people was like, why were you talking about that? Because that was, that's his mother. And you're, you're, you're telling me something very valuable about you as a person. Quite frankly, I would have, it would have been a red flag to me if he had said, Yes, you died, but I don't want to talk about that. I'd be like, hmm, that's weird. Like, why wouldn't... It's not like I want to spend the whole evening talking about it, but if you were her caretaker, that I'm, I'm actually curious about that because I have parents. And I'm curious, like, how did you do that? And you'll find that if you... It's okay to talk to people about things that were that was hard for them. Sometimes you have to take your cues from them to know when when they're ready to talk and not ready. That's why when she said, "I'm in the heart of the earth," I knew exactly what she meant. Because she's because also, I'm telling putting all your business out in the street, Michelle. But she said, "Really, I'm still emotional enough about it. If I talk about it, I'm going to cry." I said, "I got it. There's no point in me. Going, well, well, what? Well, tell me more. Well, no, she already said, "I'm in the heart of the earth." Okay, like <laughs> got it. I'll wait outside the Garden of Gethsemane, stay in as long as you need to. That's that's the appropriate way to communicate. Y'all, life's hard. I guarantee you, every one of us in here, if we were in a long conversation, especially if we all had a glass of wine, if we really started talking. I'm sure tell you something that you're like, man, I had no idea you were dealing with that. And it might be something you've been dealing with for years. I've told you this before, but um, a girl I went to high school with, because I, when I was in high school, we had, they didn't have middle school. They had, we were sub freshmen. So Nancy and I were friends from eighth grade to, I mean, I took her to the senior prom. We're still friends. We're friends on Facebook. 
And a few years ago, we went to a Decatur game, and we were sitting there, we were watching the football game and talking, and she said something about when her dad left. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, when we were in eighth grade, my, one day my, my dad just completely disappeared, and we never saw him again, and he took everything. And she said, the hardest thing for me, because, you know, he even took, like, my record player and all my records. Like, why would you, I mean, I'm like a little girl. Why would you do, it was, it was traumatic. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I never knew this. How could I have sat by you in so many classes over the years? And she said, I was just too embarrassed to talk about it. I said, Nancy, I mean, I'm, I'm nearly crying now thinking about it. And I, I sat there and cried with her. I thought, oh, my God. It just, I thought, he took your record. For a, a little girl in eighth grade, her record players, everything. Like, Why would you? What kind of monster were you? To do that. Now she's gone on with her life and I see that she lives in another state and she's got grandkids now, whatever. But I thought, how, how could I have known you for five years? I, you never talked about that. She said, I was too humiliating. I never want to tell anybody. And I, I remember thinking, God, you're, you're by people every day that are going through unbelievable stuff that you have no idea about. That's why if somebody doesn't respond to you the way that you think they should, don't don't judge them too harshly because you have no idea what they're going through. If 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 somebody if some couple gets a divorce and you you're opinionated about it, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You have no idea what that couple may have dealt with. It's none of your business. You have no idea. Um. So many people, you know, back in the day judged uh, Princess Diana for, you know, acting crazy. And, you know, how could you, how could you do all that? Well, when you hear the whole story, it's like, I mean, he basically said, I'm not in love with you. I'm in love with the woman he's married to now, but I have to marry a young virgin. So, you know, this is our deal. You might not be all that happy about that either. You say she was a princess. Why was she, why was she throwing herself down <laughs> a flight of stairs? You might have done that too. You don't know. Am I being too real today? Do I need to be more religious? Um, what's that got to do with this? Well, that stuff is real, but you got to learn how to manage it. Because if you think about it and talk about it all the time, you're going to attract negative things into your life. You got to be able to talk about it if you need to, but also be able to say, I'm in the heart of the earth. I don't want to talk about it because it ends up being counterproductive. Do you understand? There's a, there's a line where something stops being cathartic. Or when a relationship, when you're not, you're not being communicative, you're just being codependent. I, I'm in, I have several relationships like that with people who they kind of know my whole story. Um, again, with, um, with my friend Howie, I mean, we've known each other since we were teenagers. I've, you know, he knows it all. I've told him a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. There's no point in me repeating if I say, you know, I've been thinking about a thing today that happened, but I don't even want to talk about it. Yes, I'm working through some stuff. Got it. 
don't know why I'm on this point so much, but I know somebody need, I know I'm in a prophetic zone today. I know somebody needs to hear this today. I'm sure somebody this afternoon will message me and say, you have no idea you were reading my mail today. Uh, let me show you this next quote. By the, I don't want to call her Oprah. I always feel like I want to call her the Oprah. <laughs> like, like, like she's, uh, what's the word? Um, not a seer, but, uh, oh, there's a word I'm trying to think of. Um, oh, what's the word? Can't remember. Um, she says, if you look at what you have in life, you'll always have more. If you look at what you don't have in life, you'll never have enough. That's a simple thing, but I know that's true. It's, it's, it's Jesus saying to the disciples, feed, feed these thousands of people. And, uh, the disciples say, well, do you, there's thousands of people here. And Jesus says, what do we have? And, uh, they said, well, I'm sure they were probably saying it sarcastically. We've got this one little boy's lunch of loaves and fish. <laughs> Is that going to feed thousands of people? As a matter of fact, yes. As a matter of fact, yes. But it's because he said, what do we have? You know, if, you, if, you, if your paycheck didn't come in on time, be grateful for all the paychecks you already have that did come on time. Because if you, if you just obsess over where's that check, it's all going to be, all the energy is going to be directed to that, to that check and to your needing it and to your thinking, I'm, I'm going to be devastated financially if this check doesn't come in, which is not the truth. Is it an aggravation when a check doesn't come in? Yes, it's an aggravation. Is it the end of the world? No. You know what? If you're if you're one check away from being totally destroyed financially, you might need some counseling anyway. I mean, <laughs> this is the way, let me tell you. This is the way you should be with everything. We come to, when we um, we come to attracting and manifesting. And I've used this analogy before, but let me say this again because it's an original analogy and it's brilliant. Let's say a man meets a woman in a club or somewhere. Um, if he approaches her and says uh, something that lets her know that he's possibly interested, if she looks at him and says, you get away from me, I don't want a man, I don't need a man, I hate men, wasting my time, you know what, he's probably going to leave her alone. That's one extreme. You know what the other extreme is? If he goes to that same woman and says, hey, how you doing? And she goes, oh my God, are you interested in me? Oh, thank God. Oh man, I've got a wedding dress in my car right now. Like, neither of those things are good. If she's, <laughs> if she's too indifferent or if she's too needy, there's got to be a sweet spot. Do you know what I... I actually had, I've never said this in a teaching, but I actually had this thought this week. It, it kind of had the, um, um, 
It's kind of the genesis of me doing this today. Because I was thinking about how it works. How does the law of attraction work? How does faith work? And you know what occurred to me? You know how in, um, especially in the beginning part of a relationship, there's, there's some validity in playing hard to get. You know what that's like when you meet somebody and for the first, you, you don't want anybody to think you're too, you're, or you're too needy. Like, I, like sometimes I'll see somebody on Facebook, gay, straight, old, young, whatever, and somebody will post, well, it's another Friday night and I'm still alone. I don't know why I'm alone when I have so much love to give. I always want to message them and say, I don't know you, but this is why you don't have a relationship. Because there's nobody in the world who's going to look at that and go, you know what? That person needs me. And because if they do, they, they got issues too. The, the best way to get somebody interested in you is to look like you got something you know, come on. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You, or, or, or if, you know, somebody texts you and you text them back too quick. Yes, I am available. Seven o'clock. Yeah, I mean, give it about 10 minutes. And I, and I was thinking about it. I thought that's the way it is with everything. Do you understand? It's like with your prosperity, with everything, you, you kind of have to play hard to get with it. Does that make sense? It's like you can't, you got to be okay with or without it. Even when you pray, don't be so desperate in your prayer. There's, sometimes desperation works, but a little bit of that goes a long way. Save that desperation for like a re when you're really in a bad situation. You you you, do, you can't spread that stuff out. To, I mean, that's keep that in store for an emergency. Everything's not a crisis, and if you if you stay in crisis mode, then even when you're praying about crises, you're attracting and manifesting crisis. You gotta, you, you gotta tap into that. You know, we believe God will deliver us from this fiery furnace, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow to Nebuchadnezzar. You gotta, you gotta keep that sense of detachment to it. Like I'm speaking to that prosperity to manifest, but I'm also going to play a little hard to get with it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I, you know. Not, I remember <laughs> Richard Pryor used to do this. One of his, um, one of the few things you can quote that Richard Pryor said that was uh, in in, uh, in church. But he was talking about desperation, and he says, "There," he said, "I live in New York, and there's a, a homeless guy outside of my building." And he said, "He doesn't just come to you and ask for money." He says, "Please." And he says he does it so loud, you just end up giving him money because it's so, so startling. Like, dear God, here. He said, but what, 
what happens is you end up avoiding him. Like when he said, well, when I walk out of the building, I'm like, oh man, there comes that guy. I start going the other direction. And I thought that's kind of the way it works. Like desperation can work for you one time. But you know, y'all have that friend that when you see that name come up on that caller ID, you're like, oh, I do not have time for this today. Because you know this ain't going to be good news. Because <laughs> you know what they're going to say? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you say, Bishop, I thought you got to be there for people. Yeah, but when but people only, look, people dealing with their own stuff. They only got so much to give other people. You know what I mean? You know, you're sometimes you're treading water yourself saying, you know, baby, I'd like to, I'd like to say jump on my back, but I'm not that good a swimmer myself. <laughs> I'm going to keep treading water and let's, let's believe we're both going to make it to the side, but I don't have a whole lot. I mean, even ministers, even people that you, you think like you, you, people are still human. I mean, Jesus was constantly, you know, detaching himself for crowds and disappearing and being, you know, putting his disciples in charge of things. Um, never let someone manipulate you into giving more than you can give. As I've said to you many times, Jesus said, if, if somebody smites you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. He didn't say, hand them a baseball bat and say, have at it and just go ahead and beat my brains out. No, you like, no, I turned the other cheek and that's, he said, if they ask you to go the mile, go the second mile. He didn't say run a marathon for him. He said, just go the extra mile. All right. And then finally, uh, this is an anonymous quote, but I like it. It says, what you think you create, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you become. I'm going to read that again. What you think you create, what you feel you attract, what you imagine you become. All right. How do we wrap this up? Be aware. Here's the bottom line. Be aware of what's coming in and be aware of what's going out because both things are creating your reality. Your reality is the sum total of everything you have absorbed. That's why you got to, you know, filter some of the, like, I've, um, this week during the Israel-Hamas war, I've, I, I don't even know how many hours of news I've watched. And I also know when I think, I've got to turn this off. I mean, I've been watching this. Like, I, I can't go fix this. Be aware of it. But I'm going to have to detach from this a little bit because it's starting to, I'm starting to feel like I can't breathe. And you have to know when to cut it off. Um, because if you're constantly, bottom line is this, there's, there's all kind of horrible stuff in the world that's going on all the time. Um, you know, when one of those, uh, uh, ASPCA commercials comes on with those really long commercials with the sad music and the, I'm like, I, I've already given to the ASPCA. I can't, I can't watch this whole thing again. I mean, it's horrible. I can't save all those dogs, but I can't, and, and me just watching this 
heartbreaking commercial one more time is not gonna it's not gonna fix anything. Oh, is, was that too? No. Does that sound too cold? When that thing comes on, I'm like nope. Yeah. I mean, I hate that. And we have we we've given to AS is it ASPCA or Humane Society. I know we've given to them. Um, uh, <laughs> one day we had just given them one month, and I was uh, I was up on Peachtree Street, and there was a guy raising money for him. I said. I just gave to your organization. And he said, did you really? I said, yeah. And I told him the amount we gave. I said, you should have given me a t-shirt for that. And he said, <laughs> <laughs> he was not expecting that. Cause I said, no, nope, I already, I just gave. But, um, but just watching it one more time is just going to be oppressive. Uh, even the people you love the most. Now I'm going to get, get really real. You got to keep some boundaries. You got to be there for people and also not let people suck the life force out of you. And if you let people take more than you have to give, that's on you. You can play the martyr all you want. You have to say, no, that's all we can do today. Thank you very much. Is it bad? Yeah, too bad, so sad. Life's hard. Everybody's going through something. <laughs> it's like, uh, I love that meme that says, you know who's really going through a lot right now? Everybody you see. <laughs> that is true. I don't care how what facade somebody's got going on. There's stuff that we've all learned. I guarantee you every one of us in here today has got something in our life, either a family situation or something that you've learned to coexist with. You know, you can still, I mean, let me say this. When y'all went on a cruise last week, was it to celebrate how perfect your life is? It was you saying, life is life. Some people got to figure stuff out. We're going on a cruise. Is, or am I reading it wrong? Because if you say, well, I guess they got a perfect life. I'm pretty sure you have stuff that you've learned to deal with. I know that because I've heard Sonia's talk to me about her office before. And she's like, I got to go out of town or somebody's going to die. And it's not going to be me. I don't know if that was a direct quote, but it was something along those lines. She says, I need to get out of this office. It's a matter of safety. Wasn't it something like that? And so that's my, their safety, not hers. She was saying, so, exactly. No, she's, <laughs> but my point is, like, you, you can, you can go out to eat and celebrate. And it doesn't mean everything's perfect all the time. It means you're like, no, everybody's got to figure out their stuff. We're going to eat and we may order dessert. Um, so you have to be aware of what's going on in the world. You have to respect that other people are dealing with stuff that you might not have the relationship with them to talk about it, but you also need to be aware that people are going through things. And if they don't react to you the way that you would like for them to, you can't take it personally. It may not be about you at all. 
I listen to um, a lot of podcasts that talk about backstories of like, I'm always interested in like, how, how did they make that movie? Why did they make that movie? Or if it was a TV show that I like, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in what the inner workings of something. And I'm, sometimes I'll be so surprised at what some, something that I've seen before, I'll hear their viewpoint on it. And I think that's how you, like, I would have never picked that up. Like somebody would be saying, oh my God, I was so nervous and I couldn't remember my lines and I thought that wasn't funny. And I'm like, that was a classic. What are you talking about? But that's not the way they perceived it. And uh, so you have to respect that. But that being said, you also have to be a steward over your own reality. And there's only, look, there's only so much bad news you can absorb in a day. Even from the people closest to you. I don't care how much you love them. You gotta, you, when you feel somebody is oppressing your spirit, you're the one that has to take ownership of that. And, and, and you don't have to be mean about it, but you gotta learn how to end a conversation. Or not have it. I mean, it's okay to say to somebody, I'm, I can't really talk right now because I'm not gonna be able to give you what I think you need. And I just want you to know, I'm aware you're going through some stuff and, you know, whatever. But that, what a good, what a great thing texting is. Cause you can, you can acknowledge that you got it. You got the message, but you can't fix everything. <laughs> Sister, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> She said, throw some heart emojis, some praying hand emojis. And I'm not being mean about it, but that's kind of really, the emoji is saying, I'm aware you're going through some stuff. I got it. And, And I'm praying for you. I'm not being dismissive. Like, I got it for whatever, whatever I can add to the, you know, the prayer vibe. I'm with you. But yeah, it, even I don't think he would. I don't think he would mind this. But Fred, you know, he had rotator cuff surgery, and he texted me this morning. He said, "I had a long night last night. We're not going to be there this morning." I thought, "I'm sure you did. I just had surgery recently, and the, I, I I feel you on that. Like I I got it. Yesterday. But there's nothing to, I, I didn't need to cause it. What do you mean you had a long night? No, you just had surgery. Yeah, I, I mean, I got, believe me, the, the, when we took mom's old TV down yesterday, I didn't realize how heavy it was. And when I picked it up this morning, my little shoulder's like, hey, you're not ready to pick stuff up that, that's heavy, that, that is that heavy. I said, I got it. It's a reminder. Guess how I'm going to be reminded of that? Ow, that hurts. Yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> What was it again? Like, oh, yep, don't do that. Oh, okay. And that's on top of the Advil I took this I mean, the Tylenol I took this one. Um, but that's, there's nothing to talk about. It's like, yeah, you probably, it probably won't be your, probably won't be your last long night. When you see young parents with babies, yes, they're sleep deprived. If you ever had babies, you know what that's like. Sweet Lord. What's that? Yep. Yep. 
Exactly. I, with my kids, I used to sing songs to them about how crazy I was feeling. We hadn't slept in so long. You're driving daddy crazy. Daddy is losing his mind. <laughs> it made me feel, they didn't know, but they were like, you know, the kind of common, you know, when you used to do that, did you ever do that limbo thing where you're like, oh God, please don't let him go. You go way down and please let us sleep for one hour <laughs> it, it made me feel less crazy to sing crazy songs anyway um, who's responsible for what comes in you are who's responsible for what goes out you are and we all according to Jesus have to give an account for whatever words we speak that are idle uh, idle words mean you're just saying a bunch of stuff that's not producing anything. And um, most of you know this. We all need to be reminded of it. Let's all stand. Do you get anything out of this today? All right. Um, well, good. Now, remember, two weeks from today, we won't be here. So if you're making long-range plans, don't forget but we will be here next Sunday. Can we play the outro, please, Michelle? Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give any time using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit visionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, make it to JESM. If you have kids, just pay it forward. Uh, if you haven't given to Metron recently, this would be a good time to do it. And you can go to bishinthenow.com and take care of that. Thank you for those of you who are faithful to uh, continue that. All right. Um, I speak a blessing over your income and your outgo. I speak a blessing over your boundaries. I speak a blessing over uh, your metron, that your sphere of influence is protected, and that you are vigilant over what comes in and you're vigilant over what goes out. I bless your ability to attract. I bless your ability to manifest. I say that this will be a productive week for you. I speak healing to your body. Those who are not here today because of physical issues, I send healing to you. Healing is real. Healing is possible. Uh, do not lose your vision of being made perfectly whole, perfectly well. Um, I say that uh, you prosper and are in health even as your soul prospers. And you wake up tomorrow saying, this is the day the Lord has enabled me to make. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God bless you. Go in peace. Love you. Thanks, BJ. Thanks, Michelle. See you all next week. <laughs>